the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. starting a new series today called Stranger Things. If you've been watching Netflix at all, you may have seen the TV series Stranger Things. You don't need to know anything about Stranger Things to make it through this series. There'll be a little kind of like pop, pop references and stuff like that, but nothing like too intense. If you haven't seen it, don't worry. It's not like, oh my gosh, you're not going to understand the message because it's about God, right? So it's, it's kind of the Bible. Um, so we're going to be looking at that. If you have seen it, one of the things you'll notice in the series, it's like, I love it just because being born in 84 throughout the 90s and the early noughties there was I mean when we first got online I remember me and my friends used to like read these 100 page I mean uh, a bit sad 100 page documents on on weird UFO stories or on weird or or our favorite one was not so much the UFO ones it was like um oh what's it called like these kind of um telekinesis stuff like that that there was always these rumors that the American government was trying to um, do stuff with people that could help them move things with their minds, like these new type of soldiers with this power to do things with their mind. And so if you've seen Stranger Things, one of the elements of the show is that. The other elements of the show is that you end up, they talk about this place called the Upside Down World where there's these really scary monsters, these crazy beings, and it's all a bit scary and it's all a bit tense. But the idea is that things are not always as they seem. And so I wanted to jump off the back of that because actually I I believe today that things are not always as they seem. I believe that today that some of the things you and I look at, some of the problems we face, are not necessarily what they seem. I think some of the things we go through, we try to deal with problems in a way that we can't deal with those problems. So one of the things we're gonna get to later on in the series, either the end of this one or Stranger Things 2, is we're gonna look at something that is written in the New Testament where where Paul says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities in the heavenly places. Well, none of us have been to the heavenly places. None of us have seen those powers and principalities, but Paul's idea is, is that he says, you know, I think too often you and I, in such situations and circumstances, fight things where we believe it. Mental health, sometimes it is just mental health, I get that. But sometimes I don't think it is just mental health. And sometimes we find ourselves in a situation and habits that build up over time. Habits are always difficult to overcome. But you reward a behavior, you can build a new habit, you can build a new character. It takes time, you can build it, you can do it. But some things are just way more difficult than they ought to be. And it's almost like Paul had this understanding that actually sometimes you can't just spend all your energy fighting what is right in front of you because actually what's right in front of you isn't actually the source of the problem. He says, you've got to look past it. And you've got to look past this other type of realm. Today, we're going to spend time in one chapter of the Bible. If you've got your Bibles, if you've got the City Hill London app, you can read it from it there because it'll be the same translation. I'm reading from the ESV translation. 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. And I tell you what, you just read this one chapter of the Bible. And I mean, you'll be straight on a Stranger Things wave because you're like, no way. I mean, Elisha is absolutely stark raving nuts. And it works out for him, but later on, it it, it goes against him. We're not going to read the whole chapter. We're going to read some of it. So verse 1. Now the sons of the prophet, so this prophet had 
I guess if you're down with UK street vernacular, he had youngers. So the, the prophet is the, is the OG, the original gangster. He's got some youngers, he's got some underlings, got some people he's bringing up. The sons, the youngers of the prophet said to, the, said to Elisha, see the place where we live under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to Jordan and each of us there get a log and let us place for, uh, make a place for us to live. And he answered, go. Then one said to him, be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. Man, a few words. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his ax head fell into the water. And he cried out, alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, where did it fall? He showed him the place. He cut off a stick, threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said to him, take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. I love this story. I absolutely love it. I love it for a number of reasons. So I love it, first of all, because you've got youngers. I love it that although he's this big deal, he is the big shot in town, in the whole nation, he still makes a priority having other people around him that he invests in them. I think that's one of the most important things in life. So often in our world, the way things work is you get to the big shop and it all feeds up to you. But Elisha hasn't gone, well, I'm so sorry, I'm a big shot. I've got other things to do with my day. That's your problem. You guys need to grow. You guys need to fix it. He says, great, go do it. I'll release you, go do that. Then they go, oh, we're a bit scared about this. We're not too confident in it. Could you come with us? Could you be with us? Elisha doesn't say, well, you know what? I've got better things to do. I've got bigger things to do. He sees these, these youngers as being of such value that he's gonna put aside his schedule and he's gonna go with them. He's gonna go with them. Now, the reason that is so important is because if he hadn't gone with them, this situation with the axe, it seems like a weird one for you and I, but you have to understand something. An axe is a really new piece of technology in this time. Having like this, this metal axe head would be worth a lot of money. And these guys are very, very poor. They're very poor. Elisha has more than them. He supports them, he takes care of them, but they're very poor. This axe head going into to the river is a, is a big problem. It's like, I don't know, have you ever, you may ever gone, oh yeah, sure, take my, take my car for a spin, and you total it. That's what you should be reading in this story. Your mate's got a brand new Range Rover, and he goes, yeah, sure, pop down to shots for me. Don't worry, oh, don't worry about it, it'll be all right. And you total it, it's a write-off. These guys, that's why this guy has cried out, alas. I mean, we missed the dramatic effect because none of us say alas, although I might start saying it this week just because I read it. <laughs> Working with some eight-year-old kids, alas! <laughs> They're gonna be like, what, alas, where's the girl? I don't know, yeah, so. They're freaking out. This matters a lot to them. The stranger thing in this part of the story that we're looking at is what, <laughs> what Elisha does. Like, you'd expect this guy maybe just to pray or maybe command something, but he goes, I want not to do this situation. It's almost like he treats the iron like it's a person. Cuts off a branch, throws it in there where it is and goes, that floats, copy that. I don't know, I just find it the most bizarre story. Some of you look at me like, what's my problem? And I'm thinking like, you've been in church way too long if you don't read this story and think, what the heck is going on? Why, what? It's like he's taking the iron for swimming classes. Here you go, mate, just copy this little kid. He knows how to do it, you float. And then it comes back to service, the guy reaches out and he takes it. I think one of the most important things you and I can ever do with our lives is positioning ourselves for other people. 
I think the most important thing any of us can ever do with our lives is being ready to re reorientate our schedule just to create room for someone else. I think it's one of the greatest things. So often it's like someone comes, sometimes we hear other people's issues and we create a detachment from them. But you know what's crazy? One day the issue will be at your door and you won't want the detachment. You'll want someone to go with you. You'll want someone who would rearrange the schedule. I had a tough time this week and I was chatting to my friend, unfortunately, he lives in San Antonio, Texas, but he was like, man, I wish I could be there right now. I'd stay up with you till 5 a.m. and we would just, just be there. It's that sentiment, man. I'll tell you what, just getting that message, you have no idea how much I appreciate that. He's a busy guy, he's got a lot on his plate, a lot of stuff going on in his world. He just takes that time. I want to encourage us all to take that time. And I also want to encourage us to do some weird stuff, right? I'm not suggesting any of you go over to Clapham Common and start throwing twigs into the pond waiting for things to float to the surface. I'm not suggesting that by any stretch of the imagination. But I am suggesting to you today, start believing for some weird stuff. Start pushing the boat out. Start pushing the boat out to see the stranger things. So we're gonna read on. Hand that he took it. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel, verse eight, with his servants saying, at such and such a place shall be my camp. But when the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware you do not pass this place for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to that place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself more than once, more than twice. God kept on giving them the location, the heads up through Elisha of where the enemy was gonna be. And so they kept on managing to avoid the conflict. I tell you what, that's a great thing. That's another thing about being in touch with something more than what you see. Surrendering yourself to God's wisdom. The beginning of the day going, Lord, where do you want me to go? Guide my steps, take me where you wanna go, not where I wanna go. Because you may think that the quickest route is to go A to B, to go directly for it, but you could be walking into a trap. You could be walking into a scenario in your workplace, in your relationships, in your family life, and you think it's just okay to make those decisions. In the New Testament, it talks about saying like, whatever the Lord wills. People surrendering their decisions to the Lord. Yeah, I'll be there, the Lord will it. They'd say things like that. Or if you're Muslim, they'd say, uh, what is it, inshallah. Yeah, it's that kind of same attitude. It's that mentality of surrender during the moment. Because of this, they avoided many, many conflicts and people needlessly dying. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. He called to his servants, said to them, will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? He's like, who's betraying us? Who's tweeting our locations? Who's posting our WhatsApp location? Who's sharing this thing? What idiot is doing this? Will you not show me who is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told, behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning, he went out, behold, there was an army of horses, sends out his younger, and the chariots were all around the city. And his servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the younger and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. 
And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, this is not the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man who you seek. He led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and behold, they're in the midst of Samaria. That for them is a big problem, by the way. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? He answered, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. I mean, if that is not a mental story... That, that I mean you have to understand that even among like the prophets in the Old Testament this kind of stuff doesn't happen Elisha is just a different kettle of fish you had Elijah Elijah was a little bit nuts Elisha is just ridiculous on the scale on the Richter scale of like I don't know stranger things he is he's a 10 he is a ding 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 this guy is unreal what I love about this story is you see you and I often in life when we feel surrounded or we feel like that, like say we could go with mental health, we could talk about panic attacks, we could talk about anxiety, we can talk about all these kind of things. All these things are real. They are real. This army is real. I remember hearing, uh, meeting um, Brother Jung, uh, Heavenly Man, if you've ever read the book, if you haven't need to read it. I met him in Croydon, one of the churches I used to work at. And I remember one of the things, I'll never forget one of the things he said. He said, your problems are real. Your problems are real, but Jesus is the truth. Your problems are real, but Jesus is the truth. They are surrounded by an army that outnumbers them. They have no army. He's sitting in a town, minding his own business. They're completely surrounded. His problem is very, very real, but there is something that supersedes, no matter how real things look in this world, God is the truth. Jesus is final. He is the final word. I know this to be true in my own line. This story for me always connects with me because I remember being a teenager growing up, having my moments of being an absolute moron doing some ridiculous things and getting in all kinds of trouble. I remember I was seeing this girl and I had to walk into an area where there was this gang that, that really didn't like me because I stuck up for a kid that they wanted to smash up and um, they didn't do it. And in, in the end, they came after me every single day on my way to school, on my way home. And then I started seeing a girl who was kind of in their area. And I'd been getting involved in gangs and stuff, but then I made a decision that actually I really want to follow Jesus. I really want to put my trust in him and not in anyone else, that he's the one who looks after me, no one else does. And one day I'm coming back from this girl's house and I'm on my way home. It's late at night and I'm walking through this alleyway and there's 30 of these guys standing there and the guy that dislikes me the most has got a crowbar in his hand and I'm on pretty much on my ones and he, he just grabs me, pushes me up against this wall in this alleyway and um, says to me, who do you know? So before he never really touched me because the guys I'd hung out with would absolutely destroy him. They would absolutely smack him up silly. He'd never do anything to me. But now he knew people that are a bit more scary. He wanted to see, do I now know someone who could deal with these guys? So when he's asking me, who do you know? He knows who I know, but he wants to just make sure before he smacks me up that I don't know some new people that could make this situation kind of go away. 
So he's asking me, who do you know? And I'm standing in this alleyway late at night on my own in the dark with 30 guys around me. And I just feel the Holy Spirit speaking inside my heart saying, you tell him you know Jesus. And I'm standing in this alleyway going, well, that's the answer that definitely gets me smacked up and hospitalized. You don't tell a guy with a crowbar to your head, I know Jesus. And I'm standing there and then he goes, who do you know? And I just, I stood there and I just said, I know Jesus. And he looked at me, grabbed me, slammed me against the wall again, don't play with me, who do you know? And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me again, you tell me you know Jesus. And I stood there and I said, I know Jesus. And then he started laughing and said, well, it's his birthday coming up soon, isn't it? Because it was coming up to Christmas, it was like winter time. And so they all started laughing, then I started laughing, but then he went to hit me again. He said, one last time, who do you know? I said, I know Jesus. Do you know what happened? No one moved. I stood there for two, three minutes with no one moving in front of me. And I took his own hand off me and I walked back home. I walked back home. I'm not talking about something that happened thousands of years ago. I'm talking about when I was like, I don't know, 15, 16. This wasn't a guy who was just like a slight disdain for me. And I'm standing there. He's caught me completely on my own. But he didn't catch me on my own. Because who was with me outnumbered those who were in front of me. Now, these are two situations that are kind of like violent. They're kind of like aggressive. They're kind of those scenarios. But let me tell you, there are times in life where you step into an office where someone has an agenda against you, but you need to start to believe that actually there are more that are for you than are against you. You need to start to understand that when the Bible says that if God is for me, who can be against me? You need to start to trust that actually no matter which way this way goes, it doesn't matter. You need to start to believe like Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego who say, my God is able to save me from the fires, but if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm not bowing down. I'm not changing my allegiance. I'm not tapping out. I'm tapping into God's grace. And when you, when you step into those moments, what ends up happening is people end up seeing, well, is there three or is there four in the fire? Because we threw three in the fire, but now there's one like the Son of God. People start to see the scenarios. You start to have the stories when you step out that there was another in the fire standing next to me. There was another who was with me in this scenario. There was another who was with me holding back because God promises to never leave you nor forsake you. And it's either you start to believe that and you start seeing the stranger things or you keep staying in the same place you're in. The thing I love the most about this story though, it's not even the fact that, they, that they're stricken with blindness, that he leads them to a place, but it's the moment where the enemy is vulnerable, where the enemy is weak, where the king is saying, let's strike them down. Let me tell you something about Elisha. Elisha didn't just see the, the opportunity that others would see. He saw beyond that opportunity. See, Jesus talked about you to love your enemies. And Elisha did this incredible thing where the enemy that was there, they'd come to attack them, to raid them, to take away their goods, to take away their resources, possibly to even, even rape their women. They, they, they come with this agenda and he goes, there are captives, we feed them, bread and water. That was the kind of way you would treat people you're taking captive. But then the king, hearing Elisha, seeing that Elisha sees more than he knows, what does he do? He doesn't give them bread and water, he gives them a banquet. He gives them a feast and sends them on their way. And for a period of time, that enemy doesn't come back to raid them anymore because they've shown them a love that stretches beyond that which they know. You wanna know something? I believe that this week there's opportunities with people who have negative thoughts towards you, that have negative feelings towards you. There's an opportunity that you are with God and that he outnumbers them, that you are with God and that he is for you, that you're with God and not only that, you can bless that person. You can do something good for that person and you can completely open the doors. The next time that I saw that same guy on the street, I was coming back from Bible college. As soon as I finished my GCSEs, I went straight to Bible college. I wasn't old enough, but God made a way for me to be allowed in when I shouldn't have been allowed in. And as I'm going home, everyone else going back from college, I'm walking up the street and I've got my drawstring bag on my back. 
and I'm walking up the street and I see him there and he sees me and he comes up to me with five guys again, not 30, but five this time. He comes up and they grab me and they say, give us all your money, give us your mobile phone, whatever. I'm like, I'm sorry to inconvenience you, I don't have my mobile phone on me, but here's all my money. I just put it all happily in his hand. There you go, I have this. And he goes, they start checking through my bag. He opens my bag and as he opens my bag, he pulls out my Bible. And as he sees my Bible, he looks at me, puts the book back in, pulls the drawstring bag, gives me the bag back. And then he turns to his best friend, who's taken everything else I have, and says to him, give back everything you've just taken from him. And the guy's like, no, brother, I'm not giving him anything. He grabs his best friend, pushes his best friend against the wall like he'd had me against the wall before in that alleyway. And he says, you're gonna give him back everything you've taken from him. Everything was put back in my hand. I didn't lose a single thing that day. And I walked back home knowing I couldn't see that my God was there. I couldn't see that he was for me. Maybe this week you're in a situation, a relationship, a job circumstance, a family issue, a sickness, maybe anxiety, maybe any kind of scenario that's just causing you so much pain and stress and it, you just look out at it and you're just filled with panic and fear. Just maybe, maybe he's with you. And I want to encourage you to start to believe he's with you because if you're ever going to see the stranger things, it's going to come from putting your trust in the face of absolute fear and where there seems like there's no hope and he's going to bring about the most wondrous moment in your life. But it only happens when you start to trust him for the stranger things. I'm going to pray for us today and then that's literally all I want to say. I want us to spend a bit of time actually praying for one another. We don't do prayer team. We just pray for whoever we want to pray for. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the stranger things. Because God, if there weren't the stranger things, if there weren't the moments when you would step into the absolute unknown, into the situations that are hopeless for me or for any of us to have any change in, it would be so hard to trust you, but I must know time and time again, you've shown yourself to be true. And I just pray for each one of us who are here today, Lord God, that this week, whatever it is we're gonna face, that we would start to experience the stranger things. In the face of anxiety, in the face of mental health, we would experience the stranger things. In the face of abuse, we would experience the stranger things. In the, in the face of victimization in the workplace, we would experience the stranger things. In the face of racism, we would experience the stranger things. In the face of all kinds of pain, hardship and hurt, we would experience it. In the situations where we feel like there's no hope and that's definitely the end of that scenario, we would experience the stranger things. Father God, I pray also for the things in our past that have haunted us all our lives, that have been a so much a part of our identity, we would start to trust you for the stranger things, knowing that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than anything we ever ask, think, or imagine possible. Holy Spirit, would you do that? Would you come? Would you meet with us? Would we experience your love and your peace and your kindness today in Jesus' name? Amen. I want you to just pray with someone. If you don't want to, obviously, you're completely welcome not to. No one's forcing anything on anyone. But if you like, just pray with one another. And just, just pray for someone who experienced the stranger things this week. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.